0: Back with you another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes Podcast. Trent and Biz talk the world of Hawkeye Athletics with you. We're back on a weekly basis. We're even squeezing one in here for the Thanksgiving week hourly on a Tuesday. And well Biz it can't hurt things as it pertains to our picks. You got called out by a friend Arkansas Allie, with some of the BS that you're trying to spew over there. I accept my terrible record. You, you're trying to you're trying to change things
1: up. Good thing
0: we got Alley to help us out.
1: Yeah, she's kind of our moral compass of this show. We, we both we both need occasionally to be uh, corrected for our mistakes. So uh, I've been announcing every week that I was undefeated in my uh, my locks of the week, and, and she pointed out that that's simply not accurate. So. Uh, I'll begrudgingly admit that I was wrong, and uh, thanks to Arkansas Alley for keeping me honest. But I, I think I am four and one in, in best pet, best bet. So eighty uh, percent better than better than better than you. That's for sure.
0: There's no doubt about that. Four and nine. I had uh, two games crossed off the board that I liked last week: Kansas, SMU. Neither of those guys' uh, games happened. Purdue. I got absolutely screwed on one of the most egregious offensive pass interference flags that has ever come out and of course i took the under in the hawkeye game that didn't work out but most importantly it was a win for the hawkeyes we'll get into our bets a little bit later in the program today biz but let's start at the top 41 21 just a throttling of penn state boy that was fun yeah n-
1: another week another dominating iowa victory Trent. This, this is what it feels like to be a uh alabama or clemson fan you just go out and out and destroy teams. what's going on? This is not uh, this is not usual. Uh, usually, as an Iowa fan, uh, you're lucky if you get three dominating wins a year and it's definitely not three in a row. So uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll ride the wave all at last.
0: Let's start at the quarterback position, biz, and Spencer Petris saw some growth, still wasn't great, but was better, I think, than what we've seen in the first certainly four weeks of the season didn't get a non-conference, didn't get a chance to get his feet wet against a MAC team, a Sunbelt team, somebody from the FCS. There was improvement there, still missed a ton, but I was at least encouraged, even in a day where he wasn't great by any means. I think at the very least, Spencer Petrus was better on Saturday.
1: Oh, there's no doubt. I thought he played well, actually. I thought, you know, if uh, he hadn't started so poorly, I think everybody is just so frustrated with him right now that – they tend to, to fixate on the bad passes, and he definitely had a few of those. But the two things I thought that really showed growth one, he showed he threw the ball with a lot more touch just across the board. You know, just simple passes like, you know, drag routes. He just hit people in stride and didn't uh, fire it a thousand miles at their face mask. Um, and the other thing that I did really well, he threw the ball away. You know, of his 10 incompletions, I think three or four of them were really smart choices where, you know, on play action or things like that, where just wasn't there, he made the right decision to the ball away. So, well, I, I think he uh, just across the board looked more comfortable. And, and I thought, you know, early in the game was the second possession so, he threw it right to a Penn State defender. Unfortunately, they dropped it. Um, and I think, you know, even three or four weeks ago when that happened, he probably would have uh, went into a shell a little bit and let that, you know, he's he seemed to kind of snowball when those kind of things happened. He didn't do that at all on Saturday. So uh, definitely going in the right direction. Still uh, still a long ways to go, but uh, that's the first sign of real, I guess, hope or optimism I've seen in the last couple of weeks.
0: Adam. Oh, yeah. I, I'm right there with you. I was encouraged from what we saw. And how can you not be encouraged with the defense? From Van Vulkenberg with a couple of more recoveries, they're bringing pressure from all over the place, Dane Belton, at that cash position uh, for a while. It, f- it felt to me like that was more just of a Monty hooker position. And I didn't know if anybody could fill that role. Belton, a guy that's built a lot differently than hooker. He is playing at a really, really high level at that spot. Just as defense, they're making plays Neiman with the ridiculous tackle totals Campbell out there when he's playing and getting his feet wet. He's been really impressive. Phil Parker, again, guys, a wizard, what he does. Well,
1: the D line is it- just been ridiculous. Trent. I mean, I think everybody thought that was going to be one of our Achilles heels this year. And and after that Purdue game, I think everybody thought (laughs) they were probably right. The D-line was not very good against Purdue, but they have gotten better and better every week. And when Iowa can get pressure with their front four and and not have to bring extra people uh, on a regular basis, I mean, Phil Parker's a, a genius in those situations. And obviously late in the game, he adjusted and did some blitzing, but, for the vast majority of that game, we didn't blitz much at all, and we got lots of pressure just to the front four. And there's guys, I mean, Van Bolkenberg and even guys like Noah shannon they're so much better than I ever thought they'd be. And uh, it, it's, it's a pleasant surprise, that's for sure.
0: They are uh, playing at a good, good level. It's Nebraska. Coming up this week, we'll get into that game a little bit more. What other thing from my notes from the game? Keith Duncan, another miss. Now three consecutive games with misses, a guy that for all intents and purposes was automatic a year ago. Is it time to, at the very least, put it in the back of your mind? Some concerns here with Keith Duncan, a guy that does not have a strong leg, a guy that will not kick in the NFL because he doesn't have a strong leg, but they put him out there a couple of times, certainly further distances that we saw a year ago, and it hasn't been pretty. Where are you at with Keith Duncan?
1: Well, he's about a foot away from missing five in a row. I mean, his, true. his two makes on Saturday were less than pretty as well. But, uh, you know, the, the thing with Keith Duncan is until he misses a game winner or misses a huge one that we need to have, uh, he's always going to get the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the guy has always come through um, when we've needed him, and I think he will in the future. So, uh, you know, I think – He had just an unbelievable year last year, obviously. But let's be honest, Trent. He is not, you say he's not an NFL caliber kicker. um, But he's always been a clutch kicker. And let's hope uh, he doesn't get in his own head. And the, the second half of the year is better than the first half for him.
0: Last two years, it's taken a last second field goal to knock off the Cornhuskers. It was Miguel Racinos two years ago as Nebraska came roaring back from down 15 in the fourth quarter. And then, of course, last year the Keith Duncan walk-off and uh, said a little something to the sideline. I'm just hopeful this one is not going to turn to that direction. All right, Biz, anything else from the Penn State game in your notes?
1: Well, not in my notes, but in stat Uh boys. You know, once every few weeks or a couple times a year, stat boys tended to go rogue. And just come up with an assignment on on his own, and he, he did that this week. Obviously, the uh, the Davion Nixon pick six uh, had, had a uh, special place in Stat Boy's heart because he uh, he went nuts and decided to go deep, do a deep dig into uh, Iowa. <coughs> sorry, <coughs> Iowa pick sixes. So you're ready to uh, you ready to go deep into pick six history
0: pick six history all right i have some uh, a few that have popped into my mind not a ton though let's see if uh if going down memory lane can jog a little memory here
1: oh there's so that boy went back and, and like he likes to do he went through the, the fry and ferris eras so we're talking about 42 years now um and went back and looked at all the pick sixes in those uh 42 years so just off if you can, let's see if you can get within 10, Trent. How many pick sixes have the Hawks had in those 42 years? Over
0: 42 years, something that, uh, let's say 69.
1: Ah, you're way off. 48. 48. 48 pick sixes in, in 42 years, which uh, it's, it seems like more because as we'll see in a little bit, we have been uh, going bonkers on pick sixes the last decade. So let's, let's Let's dig into numbers a little bit, Trent. Of the 48 pick-sixes, there are two Iowa Hawkeyes who had three of them in their career, three pick-sixes. One of them played in the mid-'90s. One of them played within the last five years. Can you name one or both of them? Uh, Plez Atkins. That's a good guess. plus had two of them. Uh, okay. Uh, and the guy that, that had three played alongside him. I'll give you a hint. He was the number eight pick in the NFL draft. Tom Knight, Tommy Tom Knight, Tom Knight. the Arizona Cardinals decided uh, they had to have Tom Knight as the eighth pick. So <laughs> he had three pick sixes in '95 and '96. The other gentleman uh, had one each in 2014, 2015, and 2016. That should give you uh, enough enough info to be able to answer who that was.
0: Oh, let's uh, Des King.
1: Des King, correct. One each in three straight years. So those are the only two that have had three in their career. There have been a total of eight guys that have had at least two in their career. Only one was a linebacker. There's only one linebacker in Iowa history that had two pick sixes. It happened within the last decade, Trent. Can you think who that would be?
0: Pick sixes, linebacker position, A.J. Eads. I no. said within the last decade, Trent. Were you even listening? What? He graduated in 10, right? That's the last decade.
1: We're into the 20s now, Trent. It's, a, it's a, no, Actually, you weren't that far off. <laughs> Christian Kirksey is the correct Smart ass. He had two in 2012. Okay. So now, Trent, here's where it gets interesting. Let's get into it by decade. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get into it by decade, in the 80s, we had six pick sixes. In the 90s, we had 11 pick sixes in the, uh, whatever you call them, the, the zeros, we had six. The
0: odds is what you're looking for.
1: Yes, yeah, that's, that's the correct word, yeah. From 2010 to the present, we've had 25 pick sixes. So uh, more than half of the pick sixes that Iowa's had in the last 40 years have come in the last decade, which, uh, again, just a, uh ode to Phil Parker. So yeah. Since so Phil Parker took over as a defensive Uh, coordinator in 2012 we've had 20 of them and every year except for one we've had at least two a year so uh yeah obviously norm parker was a a defensive genius but as we all know norm was uh very very big into the the bend but don't break and, and keep everything in front of you obviously phil was a little bit more aggressive um and it's shown because uh that's a lot of pick sixes 25 of them in a decade
0: yeah, it is. And, uh, well, that's good stuff. Good work out of Statboy. Boy. Did that on his own, huh?
1: Well, uh, yeah. Well, so, uh, this is where it actually came up. This is where he started the pick. So the last area, and I saved this for last because this is why, why Stat Boy dug into it. He wanted to see if Davia Nixon was the, uh, the largest individual <laughs> to ever have a pick six. <laughs> and the answer is easily. He's okay. 305 pounds. Nobody even close to that weight has ever had a pick six for Iowa. Can you guess who the, the next heaviest player was? It's, it's a, a famous pick six um, that happened about a decade ago. I think you should be able to get it.
0: Famous pick six about a decade ago. All right, so going through, racking the memory.
1: Uh, Remarkably similar to, to Davion Nixon's pick. A lot shorter return, though.
0: A lot shorter return, so I'm thinking of a defensive lineman in that 2009-2010 uh, that range, yep.
1: but a in famous one. In the desert, Trent. In
0: the desert. At Arizona? At Arizona. Who had to pick six? We came all the way back to tie the yeah, game. Yeah, against pick Nick Foles. By... Uh, was it Broderick Bins? It was Broderick Bins. Okay, so... I was at that game. That took a lot to get you there, Chris. It did. I needed a lot of help. I was. We got really, really intoxicated beforehand, and it took a while just to get my memory. I couldn't think of it. Here's where my mind was as we were going through that process. I couldn't think of a defensive lineman from that team. We're talking about some of the best Iowa teams here, certainly over the last couple of decades, and I couldn't come up with a name, a defensive lineman. Boy, I got to get the cobwebs out. Something's going on upstairs.
1: Yeah, that was one of the best D-lines that Iowa's had. Yeah. Yeah. Roderick Benz is correct. He was the heaviest uh, heaviest pick six Iowa had ever had until Saturday. So so he's number two. Going down the list, Trent, Brad Quast was the third <laughs> heaviest. Nice. Back in 1988, he weighed 248. The fourth was a tie. Parker Hesse, when he had his pick six against uh-huh. Nebraska yep. in the undefeated year. Guess what Parker Hesse weighed at that time. As so end. he was like a redshirt freshman at the
0: time, is that right?
1: Correct. Uh two thirty-five, two forty was what the the. That's that's crazy that we had an undefeated team with a two hundred and forty-pound uh, defensive end playing uh, every snap down the stretch. So, and he was tied. There's another two forty from a, a blast in the past. Trent Vern Rollins, <laughs> yeah, uh, legendary linebacker, New Jersey. Yep. So there's your top five. It's uh Davion Nixon's number one. You got Roderick Benz. You got a couple of old school linebackers, and you got Parker Hesse. But uh, I think all things considered, you can make a pretty strong argument that Davion Nixon's was the most impressive uh, pick six. That one. Given given the athleticism and the nimbleness of a 300 pound man, that was pretty impressive. The
0: WAP in the middle was incredible. Smile on my face. And, you know. I tend to get a little negative as you see my tweets, uh, text oh, rolling Is it was 34, 21 after they just get a field goal after the turnover. And I had visions of Northwestern. What was that? 2006, 28, 27. Thought the thing was going to be 35, 34 Penn state was going to get the win. So finally it took a while for me to get a smile on my face, but, but big Davion did it for me.
1: Yeah, I certainly had that feel for about 10 minutes there that just things were not going to end well, but, uh, Fortunately, um, again, the ode to Phil Parker. He, uh, he he changed things up and Sean Clifford went from looking uh, unstoppable for two plays to looking clueless down the stretch. So uh, uh, again, we, we probably just need to just name this the Phil Parker podcast well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We'll We'll rebrand it as that as such. Well, it's Nebraska coming up on Black Friday noon kickoff for this one and uh, biz. Nebraska, all right, they beat Penn State. They held on. And then what happened last week against Illinois, undisciplined. Just an awful, awful performance from the Cornhuskers. Yet Iowa, last couple of years, has had to hang on for both victories against the Cornhuskers. The point spread is two touchdowns. We had a look-ahead line at Elite Sportsbook at three and a half. Happy to have that number in the back pocket right now. But just an overview, your thoughts on this one. A Nebraska team that's got some athletes, got some dudes, but just looks so undisciplined.
1: Yeah, they can't go. You watch Nebraska play, and they can't go five plays without making a mistake, which, again, should play right into the hands of Phil Parker. He's, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't ever feel great going into Nebraska games, but this is as good as I felt probably ever going into one. I just They, they are not a good football team, and they're not a disciplined football team. I, I've never seen, you know going back to last year, we talked about this. I've never seen a team that gets more excited and more proud of themselves for tackling someone eight yards down the field. <laughs> I, mean, and they get, I mean, it blows my mind how many times you watch them play, and they have this arrogance about them, which is just completely undeserved. I mean, I, I don't get it. I mean, they have this, you know, I know that the nickname, the black shirts goes back a long time ago, but, but they, they still embrace that, that they have this black shirts defense. And that, I guess that's kind of like us calling, you know, giving Spencer Petras like a nickname, you know, get calling him the gunslinger or something like that. It's not deserved in any way at all. Yet they still continue to embrace this uh, persona that, that's, that's out there. So, I had Stat Boy dig in, Trent, and you want to talk about just how awful the black shirts have been since they joined the Big Ten. I mean, I, it's, I'm fine with it's, that. It's, yes, it's pretty funny. Obviously, this week, you, if you're on Twitter, you see plenty of uh, people uh, jumping on the bandwagon to rip on on Scott Frost and how bad they've been currently. But I want to take a big picture look at Nebraska and just talk about how awful they've been since joining the Big Ten.
0: I would like to do that. Let's see.
1: All right, so what I asked Stat boy was to dig in and and find, for me, how many times the the vaunted Blackshirt defense has given up 40 or more points as a Big Ten member, and how many times they have lost a football game by 17 or more points as a Big Ten member. And the numbers, when you compare them to Iowa, are are pretty amazing. So, You ready to hop on the time machine?
0: Let's see what you got for us.
1: All right, so this is the 10th year that Nebraska – has been a Big Ten member. They've, they've been a member for a decade now. In 10 years, how many times would would you guess they've played a total of 81 Big Ten games? Okay. In those 81 Big Ten games, how many times do you think their defense has given up 40 or more points?
0: 81 games, 40 or more points.
1: We'll say 13. 19, Trent. Oh. 19 23% of the games, they've given up 40 or more points. want to guess how many times Iowa has given up 40 or more in that same time span? Three. You are correct. Three times. So Let's go a little farther, Trent. 50 or more points. How many times do you think Nebraska has given up 50 or more points in the decade they've been in the Big Ten?
0: So it was 19 for 40,
1: half that 10. You're you're still low. 11 times. 11 times they've given up 50 or more in less than a decade. Compared to Iowa... We did it once. Do you remember what game we gave up fifty or more?
0: Gave up fifty. Uh, gave up fifty. Was it that Penn State game out there before they beat Michigan? I'm blanking.
1: The debacle up at uh, with the Gophers, fifty-one fourteen, where we yeah. got up and just got absolutely destroyed. We couldn't stop any sort of jet sweep or reverse action. We looked like we were. Uh, a junior high football team, we lost 51 to 14. So that's the only time. only you know, time <laughs> in the decade, we've given up 50-plus. Last thing that boy looked at, how many times has Nebraska lost a Big Ten game by 17 or more points? And they've lost 17 or more 18 times. But when you break down the last five years, you want to guess in the last five years, or four and a half years going this year, from 2016 to the present, you want to guess how many times they've lost a Big Ten game by 17 or more? A dozen. 13 times. Two and a half times a year, basically. They're getting their butts handed to them by 17 or more. So, And, in fact, uh, this is not coming from stat boy. I saw this uh, on Twitter this morning. Scott Frost has lost 15 Big Ten games in two and a half years. His average margin of loss in the Big Ten, 16 and a half points. <laughs> Gold that, boy coming that, home. That, that's Rutgers slash Illinois level yeah. of ineptitude. So, so, having said all that, Trent, I'm sure I just jinxed us, and we're going to uh, stub our toe on Friday. But uh, I mean, it's, when you look at the numbers, Nebraska's just not a good team, right. and they haven't been a good team for a long time. And, and, they've, and the amazing thing is, the early part of that decade, they were a good team. They won mm-hmm. ten games multiple times under Bo Pelini, and they have. Uh, you didn't think you'd be saying this, but they, they should be longing for the return
0: of Ocarina at this point. How far the mighty have fallen. And I'm catching a lot of Steve Holford in Scott Frost. Blaming others, never about him. Every once in a while saying, yeah, we can coach better, but then also laying out the reasons. The the famous Steve Halford I can't shoot free throws for them. A lot of that coming out is Scott Frost, the golden boy that it isn't going very well, but of course it's not his fault.
1: Uh, it's, I I thought this last week he actually did a better job of not throwing anybody under the bus. But last year, that was really his M.O. Every game was somebody else's fault. I, I think he's maybe kind of a little bit learned not to do that anymore, but uh, you just watch him in co- press conferences. He looks like he's Dejected. I mean, he looks like a guy who's in over his head right now. And and you know, I I'll be honest. I'm I'm shocked by that. I really thought he was going to be a home run hire for them. And I think you and I both agree, with the team that uh, Nebraska was going to get better, not worse. And there is absolutely no way they are in a better position two and a half years into the frost uh, era than when they started. So let's hope that uh, continues to be the case. Right. At least for <laughs> at least for another uh, what, four days. Yes.
0: Tomorrow basketball starts as the season will kick off. Iowa welcomes in a North Carolina Central squad that wasn't able to practice much week, much last week as they were shutting things down for protocol. Southern after that, Western Illinois, and then we'll get into the meat of things with North Carolina, Iowa State, and of course the big Gonzaga game coming up towards the middle of December. But Hoops is here, Biz. The most anticipated Iowa basketball season in a long time happening in the middle of a pandemic.
1: It has to drive you nuts, Trent. That you can't uh, you can't get, go off on your usual rant about okay. scheduling. No. But after those after those first three games, it gets real pretty quick.
0: It does, yes. And I am fine with that. Do you hear me complaining about the three tomato cans they have here? No, because they have filled out the rest of the schedule very well. Now, I would I like to see three of these teams that are Ken Palm, two ninety nine, two fifty four, and three forty five, maybe a touch better. But this is not the year for me to freak out. I'll only freak out when I see bad defensive effort on the floor.
1: Well, I'll be the one to freak out about those three then, Trent. It is incredibly stupid to me that we are playing those three teams. Not because they are low in the Ken Palm ratings or even that they're tomato cans, whatever you want to call them. I just think it's stupid that they're playing any games that are outside of the Big Ten Conference. But what's the point? What's the point of playing those three teams? Why not just play a... 24 game Big Ten conference and uh, do it that way. It's just I, I like you said, it's not essential. Three days ago was in quarantine. Why are we risking our season by playing a team that uh, was literally in quarantine 48 hours ago? It's just I, I don't get it. But again, you and I have talked about it many many times in the past uh, trying to figure out what the NCA uh, has going on is uh, a, a waste of everybody's time because you're never going to figure it out.
0: It's an exercise in futility. A uh, little breaking news right as we were getting ready to start recording the podcast today. Start time has been announced for the Cyhawk game, Iowa-Iowa State. It will be on BTN that Friday night, and it will be a late tip-off, 8 o'clock Central time tip for the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones, December 11th. So a little late night viewing there on a Friday evening. Nothing wrong with that, though, as uh, that will be played and Iowa is a eight-point favorite, according to Ken Palm, in uh, that matchup. So I, I mentioned this team defensive effort concerns me. How do you break it down? Uh, who's playing minutes here? Who are you excited to see? Is Fran going to fall in love with Jack Nunchi again and play too much him and Garza together? I think strictly he's a backup center, and that is it. I don't want to see those minutes of Connor at the four, the four-guard lineup that they used so effectively last year. I don't want to see that go away. Just some general thoughts from you.
1: My general thoughts, Trent. Is I'm I'm all in until this team uh, proves otherwise. I'm I'm in on this being a top five team. And so, no negativity at all, Trent. And I think uh, I think this team's going to come out. I just I think they are a really good basketball team. Do I think they're going to be, you know, twenty five and two? No. But I think they can be, you know, I think they can be 22 and five, and, and you know, be a two or three seed, and you know, be in the Big Ten race all the way down to the end. So I just, I know defense is always due to be a concern, but uh, I just, I think this team's got a lot of veteran players and a lot of players that are in it for the right reasons. I just, I don't see anybody, you know. We got a lot of guys that are really unselfish and are team first type guys, including you know the number one player in the, in the nation, and Luca Garza. I just, I think his mentality and the way he goes about, you know, getting better, I think you know, wears off on everybody else. So I, I'm all in trying to. You're not going to hear any negativity about this team until they, uh, until they prove the other
0: <laughs> Well, I am concerned of the heights that you mentioned: preseason top five, first regular season title since '79, and. My reason is, you said they're a good team. I agree. They're a good team. I don't see it being a great team. I don't see this being a team that's going to rip off 23-6, uh, and six, something like that, going into the NCAA tournament. I think they're going to be fine. They're going to be, I don't know, 17-10, and 18-9. They're going to be good. I just... Uh, jot
1: that down. Yes. 17 and 10 Trent. I'm writing that down for you. 18-9. no way in hell this team is 17-10. and 10. No way, huh? No but way. None whatsoever. Well, barring Luca Garza blowing his knee out and, and you know, I guess if everybody stays moderately healthy, this team wins twenty games easily. All
0: right, mm-hmm. let, let's, let's do this because non conference aside, twenty conference games. What's their record in the Big Ten this year?
1: Fourteen and six.
0: All right, that's fair. I'm more twelve and eight. Mark it down. And if it meets in the middle, so be it. Let's make a friendly wager here. How about that?
1: Well, what, all right. So I, I think they're going to get a minimum of 20 wins. You're saying 17. Let's, let's meet in the middle. 18 and a half is our over-under in the year. I've got the over. You've got the under.
0: All right. And uh, when there's six games canceled, I'm going to dominate that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the caveat <laughs> is uh, maybe we need to do a winning percentage. Right, right. That would probably make a little more sense. It it's at 66%, basically. I'm saying above 66%, you get below it. Okay,
0: all right. And Big Ten wins, well, we'll put it at, well, right at 13. If 13's a push, they get more than that, you win. They get less than that, I win.
1: All right, we'll, we'll jot this down. We got we got time to figure out the Big Ten side. But, I mean, a couple of reasons why, I, I, A, I think, like I said, the maturity of this team and the talent level of this team is, is good enough they're gonna I mean they're gonna stub their toe occasionally, but I just I don't see this being a team that's gonna go and, you know, what you always call the Fran fade. I Mm -hmm. I just don't see them having huge, huge losing streaks.
0: Well the other thing is Oh
1: go ahead. Well I say the other thing I I think it's gonna be a huge advantage to this team that there's no crowd. I mean we've talked for years. Carver Hawkeye is not the world's greatest home court advantage. Mm -hmm. Illinois, Michigan State Wisconsin, places like that are much better home court advantages than Carver. So I think it's going to play into our hands a little bit that we can go into places like the Breslin Center or the Kohl Center with no crowd. I, I think that's going to be a huge help for this team. And when you're just going out and playing ball and you don't have to worry about uh, 20,000 screaming fans, I think that'll help. So you know, I, I just I don't know. I, I, again, maybe I've got the, uh, the rose-colored glasses on right now, but I'm all in on this team, Trent.
0: So you mentioned the Fran fade, their last six games. I'm sure you've seen this biz for the last six on the road, including going to Michigan state, Wisconsin, home for Penn state. All right. There's a win. Then going to Ohio state to Michigan and finish up at home with Wisconsin. That's the final six games. And even the four games before that at Illinois, Buckeyes at home at Indiana and Rutgers, who's going to be good again this year, that final 10, is incredibly difficult. Most importantly, Iowa needs to pile up wins early. That means not only beating Purdue at home, they have not been great against Purdue in the Fran era, but beating Minnesota on the road. Not stubbing your toe. Finding a way at least getting one of the road trip out to Maryland and uh, Rutgers back-to-back. You have to get those kind of victories. Have to pile them up early because late is going to be tough.
1: They all sound like wins to me, Trent. I'm, I'm all in.
0: <laughs> Look at you. This is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. Well, one place we know there hasn't been a ton of wins, though you have eked your way back up to Mount 500. It's time for our picks.
1: After evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an eye, the Gambletron 2000 says the winner is Cincinnati by 200 points. Fire you worthless hunk of junk.
0: Well, that sounds like my picks right there, Biz. I am 4-9-1. 4 9, and one, uh, four, nine had two games last week that I liked that were both taken off but I gotta make up make up a pick I'm not sure if I'm gonna have it this week busier 500 seven77 7, and one at least that's what I have you Arkansas alley can check my math
1: well and uh, just to clarify Trent I have bought the Hawks three straight victories so I, I and I'm doing it again obviously this week uh-huh. so I'll, I'll take Nebraska plus 14 but I'm in my mind I'm counting those as wins every week oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm basically saving the Hawks so uh there's no way in hell I'm, I'm going against that trend right now. So just get that one out of the way right away. Nebraska plus 14, I'll
0: take it. I'm right there with you. I'm grabbing the 14 field goal game the last two years. I do think Nebraska certainly is going to look a whole lot better than they did in the matchup there. So I am also grabbing Nebraska in the 14. Your Big Ten game you like best this week, Biz.
1: Yeah, this goes against – I've said for years I would never bet Rutgers again. But there's a different Rutgers team, Trent. They're, they're not terrible. They uh, they play hard. And Shiano uh, has them going in the right direction. They're uh, getting 11-and-a-half going to Purdue. I just don't think Purdue's all that great of a team. I think this will be a relatively close game. So give me the Scarlet Knights plus 11-and-a-half.
0: Going with 11-and-a-half, I, I like that one, something that – was on my radar at the very least. My Big Ten pick of the week, I'm grabbing Maryland, the Terrapins in the 12-and-a-half at Indiana. Hoosiers, emotional letdown. I I think that I'm looking more than anything. And to his little brother, after that awful performance in Week 1 against Northwestern, him and Maryland have looked pretty good. Now they got to get back on the field. That's also a piece of that here as they've been off. But I like Maryland bouncing back and at least keeping it semi-tight. I'll grab them in the 12-and-a-half.
1: I assume that game will get uh, canceled, but 10 minutes after we, we tape this. That'll be your, your canceled game of the week.
0: That's that's the direction we've been trending. All right. You've been just uh, beating your chest about how great you've been on these picks. So give us a winner, Biz. We, we need something to add to the bankroll this week.
1: Uh, Virginia Cavaliers, minus 10. Florida State is an absolute train wreck. Uh, they... Canceled the game three hours before kickoff last week. They, uh, they have packed the season in. So uh, And Virginia, on the other hand, by no means a great team, but they've won three in a row. They're going in the right direction. They are going to throttle uh, the shell of a team that is the Florida State Seminoles. So give me uh, UVA minus 10.
0: Good justification there. I can buy it. I'm going to the Big 12. Not Black Friday, Iowa State, Texas. Going to the national game. Late window on Saturday. ABC has it as Oklahoma, playing really good football in a dominating performance in Bedlam last week, goes to West Virginia. I like Deggie, the quarterback, but most importantly, this West Virginia team's actually good defensively. A Big 12 football has kind of flipped on its head this year. Get a ton of points. They were killed last year down at Oklahoma. It's been a revenge angle that's been talked about a lot this week from West Virginia. I think they keep it tight. Maybe even have a chance come the fourth quarter. I will grab the 11. Give me West Virginia with my favorite pick of the week.
1: I, I came dangerously close to making that same pick, Trent. So that would have been the, the official kiss of death. Yes. So, uh, so everybody run out and bet the Sooners. So.
0: <laughs> they'll roll this week. All right, nothing else on my list this week. Uh, with the early picks this week, uh, maybe I'll pick back up an extra game as I, of course, had my game scratched off last week, Biz. But there it is, our picks for what they're worth in, They have not been worth a whole heck of a lot. Let's get out of here with Business Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Business Beat of the Day. Okay, here's Business Beat of the Day.
1: Trent, with such a busy week going on with Iowa basketball returning, with the Iowa Nebraska game, with with Thanksgiving coming up you may have missed out on the most important thing that's going to happen this week. Tomorrow is the return of Say by the Bell. Saved by the Bell reboot hey. starts tomorrow. Unfortunately, Trent, you have to have something called the Peacock Network, which apparently is a streaming service for NBC in order to get it. So, uh, it would be money well spent if you went out. But if you, I, I watched the uh, trailer for it earlier today. It's got all of the uh, – everybody back, Trent. You've got uh, everybody except for Screech, which I believe Screech had some, uh, some some issues a few years ago with maybe getting into some softcore porn and things oh. like that. But everybody else is back, though. Slater, Jesse, Zach, Kelly, they're all back, Trent. So. Just wanted to make sure everyone had it on the radar in such a busy week. So uh, go out and buy the Peacock Network so you can watch the Save by the Bell reboot.
0: All right. Well, you do that. I will steal your password and then I'll be able to watch it too.
1: Fair? No, no There's no chance I'm getting the Peacock Network. But, uh, <laughs> well, look, okay, I do that. That seems, that seems like a that seems like a stat boy. Yes.
0: Thing to- it does it does good stuff is enjoy your Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day, everybody. We'll talk again next week. All right. Go Hawks.